it's nourishing the liver ultimately, right? Because you're not having this major dip in insulin and your cortisol is waking you up in the middle of the night. Remember, cortisol suppresses melatonin. And so liver is also an organ of emotion. And so kind of alluding back to the mindset piece and being able to get still, a lot of females that I work with feel very emotional come bedtime. And this is, you know, lack of nutrients, the nervous system is dysregulated and they really need to be nurtured in a different way. Hey there, my friend. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, and I want to welcome you back to another episode here on the Fit Mother Project podcast. In today's episode, we are joined by guest expert Kelsey Jack, who is a holistic health practitioner and the podcast host of the Holy Well podcast, and she also has the Holy Well Academy. And through overcoming many of her own health struggles, starting at a very young age, going into some intense postpartum insomnia, Kelsey Jack has been on a health journey effectively to reclaim her health, and she discovered some profound things we're going to talk about today regarding sleep and circadian rhythm and just overall setting yourself up for a life of health and happiness. It's all an inner game. And a lot of the practices we covered in today's conversation with Kelsey are going to be very helpful for you. So I recommend you tune in. And also at the end of the conversation, I was very happy that after we discussed sleep, we even got into some more fringe topics like the impact on EMFs, these electromagnetic fields that we have from our cell phones and Wi-Fi routers, how those actually have an impact on health. Kelsey shares some stuff on that as well. So I recommend you tune in to the end of the conversation to hear about that, and as well as check out some of the resources and books that were mentioned at the end of this podcast. Without further ado, welcome to this episode of the Fit Mother Project podcast. Let's get into today's episode with guest expert, Kelsey Jack. All right, Kelsey, welcome officially to the Fit Mother Project podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Balduzzi. I am so honored to be here and I know this is going to be a great conversation. For sure it will. And I think this is fun because for those who may have heard in the intro, you are the host of the Holy Well podcast. And I was on your podcast, I believe, sometime earlier this year. So it's fun to have you on today. And one of the topics we really want to zone in on and pick your expertise is to talk about sleep and the critical importance of sleep. I know a lot of our members listening are going to know that sleep's important, but I think you're going to give them some nuanced, finer details that are really going to blow their minds. Before we get there, though, please give us a little bit of background on you, how you kind of became a holistic health practitioner and got passionate about health and why sleep is so important to you. Yeah. So my health journey really starts early on. I was born with uh, defective ears. And so coupled with that was just really bad ear infections at an early age. And at that time, the gut microbiome connection was not really established in the medical community. So I was put on a lot of antibiotics and I was also a cesarean baby. So As you know, and as many of your listeners will know too, that kind of set out my trajectory with gut health and and not a good place. And I just kept getting really bad infections, upper respiratory infections at a young age too. And that spilled over into high school. I was playing competitive soccer. I was running. um, I was a a well-rounded athlete, but I just was really tired. I kept getting injured, bone fractures, those sorts of things. And I had a really pretty fairly balanced diet. We grew up in the country. I was had a very picturesque uh, childhood. I was born on a ranch and got to ranch and roam and ride horses and be outside. And so I really think that kind of made up for some of these uh, things that I lacked in my childhood. However, it came very clear in college. I was running 70 plus miles a week at Baylor. And Were you, you an know, athlete or was there a reason for you to run that much? So... I was not, but I was actually asked to join the running team after I started doing distance running. Um, And it was really a huge stress reliever for me. I had entered into, you know, freshman year at Baylor and you, this is a totally different type of lifestyle now going into college and all the courses that you're taking and the stress that you're under. And I was, you know, your mom's used to feeding you when you get home. You don't know really how to feed yourself. And so it's just all these things like go grocery shopping, go cooking, go attend your classes. And and then I was running anywhere from 60 to 70 miles a week. And it was really just a way to cope with my stress. And I just kept pushing my body further and further and further. And looking back hindsight, that was not a good decision, but I just didn't know how to listen to my body. So 
Later on, after uh, I had gotten married, my health issues spilled over into marriage as well. And then eventually we wanted to start a family. And Man Alive, that is when everything kind of fell, the bottom fell out from underneath me. So I was set on having a natural labor and I had a 43-hour natural labor, didn't sleep, sit, eat, none of it. And I slept four hours the night that I had my first baby. And after that, I didn't sleep for two weeks straight. And it was a very, very traumatic time. And as you know, being a new father, before having a kid, you love sleep. But even after, it feels like someone has pulled a rug out from underneath you. Yeah. So I was getting really frustrated because I was going, you know, I understand here hormonally, there's a lot of things that are changing rapidly with prolactin and your progesterone trying to come back into play. But I knew that this was not normal. And so I had sought a natural route. And so I was going to my midwife and I was asking, you know, what is, what is this? Like, is this normal? And I got really frustrated because even in the natural community, the only answer for me was you need to be on an anti-anxiety and you need to be on sleeping medication. And that's when I said, you know what? I am so done with just being presented like, here's a pharmaceutical. This is your only solution. I wanted to know why, even as a young kid, I want, I was a why child. Why? Why does it work that way? And similar to your episode, I feel our biggest pain points can become our purpose. And during that time, it was really frustrating, angering, exhausting. But looking back on it now, it's one of my biggest blessings because I get to help people now. And I have a huge heart for moms in this way because I'm going, you know, if we can do some of these things, you know, even before you get pregnant or during your pregnancy, or just to know, to expect, these might be some of the things that may happen postpartum. That was something that I had to grapple with because no one ever said, hey, you know what? Your sleep might be really off the first month or two months after postpartum. But I think we as a culture do not serve mothers well. We see them during this period of time when they're pregnant and then a week, you know, every week up until the baby is born. And then postpartum, we as moms only get two postpartum appointments. And so this kind of just really lit a fire under me of feeling like we're a very underserved community, yet we're responsible for bringing life into this world. And so it's now a huge passion of mine through Holy Well to meet women where they're at with chronic fatigue, uh, insomnia, and mood imbalances. Nice. Well, I mean, I want to get into some of the specifics that you discovered about sleep that are going to be so relevant. And before we do, though, I mean, obviously, this is super applicable to anyone postpartum. And my wife is currently in that stage right now. So I'm seeing her like recalibrate big time hormonally, circadian rhythm. But this is also so relevant for anyone around perimenopause or menopause, because although it's not postpartum, we're still having changes to hormones, right? And we still have a lot of other factors coming into play. So I imagine the tips that you're going to share with us are going to kind of treat the root of the system. So it's going to work in both scenarios. Is this correct? Yes, absolutely. Cool. So let's get into it. Uh, Start to tell us what you discovered about sleep and, and kind of like how you think about it and how you present it so it can really you know, sync with us about how important it is and some stuff we can do to optimize it. Sure. So off the top of my head, you know, it's one of those things where when you do start struggling with these issues that ramp up later in life, you do look back and you go, did I ever really struggle in this capacity before? And the reality of it was I did, but when you add in the additional layer of having a child and the expectancy that you may wake up, that can produce a lot of anxiety. And then I can also imagine, and being very close with my mom who has gone through menopause as well, those things just kind of come up abruptly and it's you're caught off guard by them. And so I think, like I mentioned and alluded to earlier, if we can prepare women in advance to expect some of these things, then we're not so caught off guard and the the anxiety is not produced there. So that would be the first kind of, I would say more mindset or mental strategy to that. But I think the second is definitely physiological. As women, it's really a shame because I 
I feel we're underserved in our own biology and learning how our bodies actually tick. Like we have four phases of a hormonal cycle. A lot of women don't know that, how they should be working around each week of their cycle. And as you know, and I know you can attest to adrenal health for females is especially important. I feel like males can kind of push the ballot a little bit further than females, but because we are much more hormonally complex, the adrenal cortisol relationship there is a very fine line between those two. And we talked quite a bit about this in in your episode as well, but the body does not know the difference between actual stress and perceived stress. And so we have got to learn as a society how we can offset some of those stressors and in realizing what those are for us day to day and really understand like how the adrenals function and how they are related to hormonal health, especially like you mentioned with women who are going through menopause and perimenopause, all of the hormone duties go back to the adrenal glands. And so if you have spent your 30s and 40s thrashing your adrenals, going to Orange Theory workouts, uh, working out fasted, never lifting weights, drinking coffee on an empty stomach not fasting strategically, like we talked about, especially with females, is going to just crush your adrenals. And this produces a chronic fight or flight response, which is what I was 100% trapped in. My body was so off kilter. And so really the first benchmark for better sleep is making sure your adrenals and your cortisol are in this delicate balance. The best way to do this, and it's going to sound you know, well, there's a couple strategies, but I'm very, very, very passionate about natural light exposure. And the reason being is because obviously melatonin rises at night, but cortisol is supposed to raise, you know, first thing in the morning, it's our get up and go hormone. So all of the clients that I work with, I say, you get outside into unfiltered light before 10 AM every single morning, because we want to retrain that circadian clock. And in turn, it is going to help reset the adrenal cortisol balance as well. Now, that can be a much more complicated situation. But just starting out, that is a great place to start because when females are in that place and I have been there, I had severe anxiety, panic attacks. I would have to have my husband pull over on the side of the road and I would literally have to drink a gallon of water just to get my resting heart rate down. And you feel helpless. You feel like you're spiraling and it's truly such a helpless place to be in. And so I like to give all the females that I work with very, very doable tasks because oftentimes if your adrenals are imbalanced and your cortisol is imbalanced, you're not sleeping well. And we have to overcome the fatigue and kind of reset that circadian clock. So that is definitely one strategy that I hold to very, very tightly. Well, very powerful to the frame of this. We want to work on the adrenals and and effectively the cortisol balance and the melatonin balance. And again, the idea is that light that hits our skin, it's great for vitamin D production, but it also basically works on these photoreceptors in our eyes and our skin that regulate this whole circadian rhythm. It actually smooths out that morning cortisol spike. So it's like a healthier one for us. And then later in the day, we we produce more melatonin. So I, I, for me, I think, you know, I, I like to take this a little bit into the realm of what I consider a little bit of like a personal spirituality. We are so connected to the cycles of nature right? This light and this dark cycle. And so kind of reconnecting that is very foundational and there's something powerful that happens. So the morning sunshine is good. Later in the day, do you do anything with light as well in the evening? I do a lot of red light therapy. Now, just a side note about this. Everyone is very individual. Bio-individuality is huge for me and my clients. This can worsen insomnia for some people. So you just have to know going into that, what that may look like for you, what it may do for you. For me, it relaxes me. It resets my nervous system at night and it's very, very helpful. And this is using red light specifically. Can you can we back up and can you tell people sure. about like the different kind of aspects of light and what the different wavelengths kind of have on physiology? And let's talk there and then we'll go into sure. specifics on red. Yes. So I like to keep this simple, but basically when you wake up in the morning and the sun is rising, it is putting out a different color hue than it will be at night. So it's going to put emit a lot of blue light, right? And this is why screen time is so vital to sleeping well, because if you're staring at blue light at night, your cortisol is going to rise and your melatonin is becoming suppressed. 
transverse though, is that is very helpful in the morning. If you feel like you did not get a good night's sleep or you're very fatigued in the morning, that blue light hitting the eye and the receptors in the eyes is going to wake the body and the brain up. Now, opposite of that, people think, okay, well, I got my morning, you know, sun exposure. They forget to go outside at night. You know, at night, red, pink, all those things are producing melatonin in the body. So light, one of the first things God, I'm a huge believer, created was light. And so our body corresponds so heavily with light. And it's no mystery to me why so many people are overly stressed, overly anxious, overly tired. They spend their lives behind a screen indoors under blue light, under translucent light, but they just don't realize the power of natural light and being strategic about that light exposure. And then second to that is the gut microbiome. So I am very big on exposing my stomach to direct light so that that good bacteria is also feeding and it's, you know, our gut brain axis is huge in communication. And so resetting that circadian clock has everything as much to do with your brain as it does your gut microbiota and your eyes. Can you explain what you mean by exposing your gut microbiome to light? What specifically, how does that work? So if you think about, we walk around in clothing all day and we're inside. And so it's been said that up to 80% of serotonin is actually in the gut. It's not made in the brain, right? And so every organ in the body is going to respond to light exposure in a good positive way because we are rhythmic beings and we should be in rhythm with the natural seasonality of light exposure. And this has been probably the biggest shift in my own health journey and my own sleep journey is resetting the circadian clock while also working on neurotransmitter production. And we know that we have to target the gut in order to do that. So instead of always, you know, keeping clothed outside, I, you know, it being wise, like don't go outside and burn, but we really have gotten so far away from natural light exposure in such a... And you're really saying full body skin exposure. You go outside naked and you get the sunshine on your body. I do the same thing. I'm assuming you also get outside and get mostly whole body sun exposure. Yes. I just do sports ball in, in, in shorts and I'm getting 20 minutes of unfiltered sun first thing in the morning. I go outside. I do not drink coffee fasted because that's another big adrenal no-no. So I'm always having something with protein and fat before I drink coffee. And then I go and I enjoy my coffee outside in unfiltered sunlight. That sounds like a nice routine. So that's your morning kind of light boosting rhythm. And I think it's also very doable. If people are listening, you're still having coffee. I know that's a part of many people's lives. So, yes. But you tend to find that your system feels overtaxed. You're doing caffeine, empty stomach. It just jacks up cortisol way too much for you. What I found for some people is, is for some people, it, like adding some healthy fats to the coffee can seem to smooth that out a little bit, like maybe some MC2 oil or a little bit of butter if you want to do the bulletproof thing. But I hear you on that. That's something that many people should be you know, more aware of. That's really cool. Okay. So in the evening, when the sun's going down, what does it look like for you and your family from the hours of 5 p.m. until you go to uh, bed? What's the day look like? Sure. So I just actually um, launched my 90-day signature program and I have a whole outline of my entire day and how I like my clients to actually go about their day as well. And the 5 p.m. window is a big turning point and should be for a lot of people. However, you know, husband may get home and the wife feels like, oh, now's my time to scroll social media. Do not do that because you may think, oh, 5 p.m. still early. We're not going to be going to bed for a couple more hours, but I guarantee you that is affecting your circadian rhythm and your, your circadian timing. And so I actually put a red light filter on my phone. I put on full blue blockers and Every evening after dinner, we go on a family walk. We discuss this in our podcast as well, but this helps regulate blood sugar. It helps regulate the nervous system. And you're also seeing the colors at sunset that your body is going, okay, I know what time of day it is, right? Because how confusing would that be to your biology of, of going, I have no idea what time it is because we have all this artificial lighting. And so if you look back just 20, 30, 40 years ago in the farming community, the only really 
dictator of how they ran their day was when the sun rose and when the sun set. And so we really have got to get back to the natural rhythms of creation in that way. But to your point there, um, every evening, that is what we do. I'm off of my phone by no later than probably 7, 7.30. It used to be that any screen, including TV, would trigger me at night. Thankfully, I've gotten to a good place to where I enjoy watching a good show that's not going to send my brain um, crazy. Some people are in a really bad spot and they can't do that, to which I would say, you need to set a couple items bedside so you have that already to reach for at night. You need to put on your full blue blockers. You need to take a nice hot Epsom salt bath and you need to read a book. You need to listen to a meditation or pray and then just go to bed and let your body really get back into that natural cycle. Because until, it's just like healing the gut. If you're still eating those triggering foods, it's ne- that the lining of the gut's never going to seal. The same goes for our sleep. We have to do a good hard reset just so our biology can get a grip on how it needs to respond appropriately. Yeah. And I like what you shared there too, is, is as you do get healthier and you become more resilient, your nervous system becomes more resilient when you're synced up to what we're calling this natural law, this natural process of light and dark, you can tolerate things a little bit more, but you still have the blue blockers. So I would say this for everyone who is listening, who does not own a pair of blue blockers, like buy some on Amazon. There's many different kinds. Some are more intense than others. Some are stylish, some are not, but either way, like you can do that. And if you have an iPhone, they have like the night shift mode that you definitely should turn on maybe even the whole day. I keep mine on on a low level, at least the whole day too, because you're like, you're getting enough blue light period. You could always cut down on some of it. You're going to experience it for sure. So those are definitely really good action steps. And imagine what the world would look like too, if we all took after dinner walks, if all the families or everyone's people were eating, then you go outside, it would be a way different thing, but it would probably be the best thing for us if everyone were walking around outside, catching some sunset rays and getting set up for this proper balance. It's fascinating. Yeah. And I think too, a big mission at Holywell for me is to make restoring your health doable because I feel people now in approaching holistic health, they have uh, very hard set opinions. But one of the biggest things I hear is it's overwhelming and I don't know how to do it. And I would just encourage you to start with what you have. Nature is free and it's also going to move the needle the most. And so I feel a lot of women we were taught to only view exercise as a means to lose weight, to be thinner. And I am on the mission to flip the script for so many females because we lack general movement and we tank our adrenals by doing that. So really just listening to your body and what it needs. And and especially like before you start your period, like you should, and especially during that week, no heavy exercise, walk, yoga, Pilates, because that's what syncs with your biology the most. But especially with those walks at night, people just lack good general movement. And so I'm a huge proponent of walking and it's so good for the blood sugar. It regulates blood sugar, regulates the nervous system. Everyone's so concerned right now about carbohydrates and insulin and blood sugar, right? But I mean, walking is one of our natural ways that we do after meals to regulate that whole glycemic response. It's really, really great tips all around. Now, I want to I ask you specifically about some sleep supplementation. Uh, many people, when they think about sleep, they're thinking about, oh, I might need to take something like melatonin, or maybe there's a mineral like magnesium that may be helpful. What is your philosophy on where are certain supplements helpful for sleep? Where are they potentially bad and like dangerous? Let's kind of talk about the, the pill side of like sleep, the natural pill side. Sure. So in both my sleep course and my program, I am very big on what I call strategic supplementation. And what I mean by this is not throwing spaghetti at the wall, knowing what you're taking and why you're taking it. And then also knowing that you're taking a high quality supplement because there are trash on the market, as you know. And so just knowing the quality of that supplement is not actually doing more harm than it is good. My biggest thing is you don't want to become reliant. However, so many of us have lived in a chronic state of stress and fight or flight that it does take a while to heal. And I do think that people do have to be on supplementation for a while while they're working on resetting their circadian clock, getting rid of environmental toxins, seeing if they have any type of underlying chronic infection or 
you know, all those things add up and they pile onto the nervous system. So I look at supplementation. I was at a seminar five years ago and I'll never forget. I ran into this doctor and he runs a sleep clinic out of Sedona. And he said, the problem with the Western model of care is that we have isolated people on an island of medication. He said, medication was never meant to be an island. It was meant to be a bridge. And that to this day has stuck with me. I wish people would understand that supplementation is a really effective method to bridge the gap between what they're lacking and where they need to be and go. So that's kind of how I view supplementation. I don't want you eating your supplement uh, closet (laughs) because then it's no different than the Western model of care. You're just throwing random things at random problems and you're not really getting to the root cause. So I like to tell people, do more things, take less pills. So when I work with a client, I say, okay, you want to take a supplement for that. What's something that we could put in that place that is lifestyle related? And if in you know, a week, two weeks, if you're not seeing any shift in that, then let's look for supplementation. This is after I've run a comprehensive lab panel and I'm looking at where they're at and I'm knowing these for sure are the supplements you need to be on. But any more than that, you're just going to be drowning the body in all this excess nutrients. And then it just gets to be that you have really expensive pee. So when it, in regards to sleep supplementation, there are a lot that I love and there's a lot that I've tried. I would like to mention the resource, The Mood Cure by Julia Ross. This has been an indispensable resource for me and my practice, but also me personally. I refer to it constantly. She helps break down isolated nutrients, how you can find them in food. And then if you do need to, you can supplement with them. And the example being, some people can tolerate 5-HTP that converts to serotonin. Some people can't. So then we look to L-tryptophan. A lot of people cannot take L-tryptophan. So there's all these nuances. But as far as blends go, the number one blend that I love, and this is more um, kind of combining ritual with also providing the body with really good nutrients, is a drink called Beam Dream. And I know the founders personally of Beam, they're great guys and their formulations are amazing. This also has CBD, CBN, magnesium, uh, sea salt, and it tastes like hot chocolate. And so it's just like this very soothing ritual to sit down with something warm at night, relax, whatever you may want to do with that. And then tart cherry has been a huge needle mover for me in my sleep. I take tart cherry almost every evening. That helps the natural production of melatonin. So we don't have to take melatonin, right? So a lot of people are, I don't want to be dependent on melatonin. It makes my mom really grouchy the next day. And so that's where it's just understanding your unique physiology and what you can tolerate and what you cannot. And for more advanced sleep issues, there are sleep suppositories that can be very, very helpful. But my top three that I would say are Beam Dream, the Tart Cherry, and then Young Living actually makes a great blend called Sleep Essence. And this is more herbal-based. And this has really personally for me been the biggest needle mover for supplementation as I approach sleep. Nice. And do you use all three of those products? So like part of it is you will effectively sit down and you have your beam, you know, magnesium CBD drink, and then you have this herbal preparation later in a capsule format. Is that part of the stack you use? So what I like about beam is it encapsulates everything that you might need. And so no, I do not combine those. However, what I will say is I have found for my own unique sleep issues that every now and again, my body needs something different. And so I will take a step back and I'll kind of assess like, what might it be? Am I having a harder time falling asleep? Am I having a harder time staying asleep? What does that look like? And this is a big issue as a whole with sleep latency, with sleep quality, sleep amount of time. And so I would say from a very global perspective, if you're struggling with all of those, Beam Dream is going to be like your night in shining armor. And because of the CBD factor, it's also settling the nervous system. We're raising the endocannabinoid stores in the body as well. And this can be a huge game changer for females because I just feel like our nervous systems are a little bit more sensitive. And yeah, so that's how I go about that. I do not combine those. Um, the only time I will combine something is the tart cherry because it doesn't have any type of multifactorial supplement in it. Nice. Well, I think the core message that's really loud and clear to me is it's good to have 
super high quality, well thought out products that you can use as something better than a crutch and a tool that many people may find, which is oftentimes using alcohol, taking an antihistamine or something like this that has a drowsy effect. You know, so this is like a much better way to do it because there's a lot of benefits to this. Um, do you ever use melatonin? Have you ever used that or do you keep it around ever like on occasion or is this just not a part of, of the stack? So when I was struggling and I was in the probably the worst part of my insomnia, I was going to see a functional neurologist outside of Austin who uses um, very targeted, targeted low-level laser therapy with functional neurology. And I have 200 milligram melatonin suppositories that... This is a very extreme case. I'm I'm speaking from a very personal place here. Do not go out and do that, please, unless you are under the care of someone. And for reference, an average melatonin cap would be five milligrams, right? I mean, three, five, ten, at, ten at almost at most you'd see. And this is a 200 milligram suppository for those know who may know, don't know. You're sticking it in your butt, and it's going to absorb rectally. Yes. Okay. So, so everyone's on the same page now. This is a good, hard, this was a good, hard reset for me. And so this was in, when I was in very dire straits, my biology was so messed up. And this is kind of referencing back to my story. My insomnia was so bad and my sleep cycle was so reversed. I had no cortisol in the morning. And at night, I kid you not, at night around 10 p.m., I could have physically gone out my door and run a marathon. That's how much energy I had at night. So this is where, you know, these extreme cases, but I do like to mention it because if if one of your listeners is in a really, really tough spot, you, you do need to know that there are these more, you know, powerhouse nutrients at different levels. You just need to be under the care of a correct, you know, uh, patient care provider. Now, for someone who just has, you know, not chronic sleep issues, but, you know, from time to time needs help. Absolutely. Melatonin is in my arsenal. I don't take it in isolate form though. I always take it. So Sleep Essence by Young Loving has the melatonin in it and it's in a lower dose. What I have found for me personally are the herbs are more sedative for me than the melatonin. Mm -hmm. Yep. Got it. And these are probably like chamomile, lavender, these types of herbs. And I'm sure there's other ones on top of that, but just common ones people might find in sleepy teas and other things like this. Correct. L-theanine maybe. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about practices that you found helpful to quiet the busy mind. Because part of this is physiologic, but a lot of this, right, is is just that mental. And I, and I suppose we've kind of touched on things throughout this conversation. Is there any kind of prayer, meditation, ritual that you find helpful with yourself or with your clients that helps promote sleep and just general well-being? You know, this is probably... I'm, I'm a very honest person. So I will always basically vow to people where I struggle the most. And this is definitely the area that I struggle the most. And I would say in our modern world, it takes an immense amount of intentional practice to quiet the mind. Yeah, for sure. And I will say that for me, deep breathing, being intentional of like turning everything off, sitting in stillness, because my sleep journey had turned into a lot of PTSD. This, this is a very, was a very unique situation postpartum. And I would get very on edge at night. And so the only thing that would really help me was to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And our society does not like that. They don't like stillness. And so a lot of these nervous system dysregulations are because people are running around trying to avoid stillness. They don't like it. And I don't dislike it. I'm just not very good at it. Now, that being said, I am very intentional about taking the time to do deep breathing exercises at night. And I do listen to like a three or five minute meditation on my phone. For some reason, I cannot think of the app that I use, but it's this like beautiful Australian woman that speaks and it's just her voice is so soothing. But yeah, I would say a lot of us, and myself included, this is the biggest area where I struggle and really need to work on. And it's so valuable because we spend our day running around. Our brain is trying to solve all of these problems. And this is the biggest, you know, besides light resetting things, the brain has to reset too. So if you're giving it the time and the space to get still, there's no demands of it. 
and it's aiding you and your body. Because as you know, at night, the glymphatic system, it's cleaning out the brain. So this is really like the pre-preparation to getting one of your best night's sleep is, Mm -hmm. you know, really zoning and instilling the mind. Yeah, I totally agree. And I really appreciate your honesty. And I think a lot of people here are going to recognize the same thing. Like we're very active, active, active in in getting the mind to quiet down is a practice that takes time. And it could completely coincide, I would believe, this is my personal experience with your spiritual practice, whether that's your prayer or whatever you do, it can kind of be one integrated thing. Something that I did for many years when I was very intentional about looking at quieting down my mind was keeping a little journal on bedside. Because what I found is that the mind stays active if there's open loops, like you have something that you did complete or something to do. But by simply writing those things down a little bit, like it gives you the sense of closure, or this is at this point, or this is where I pick up tomorrow, seem to be helpful. I think that's a good logical place to start. But I am a huge proponent of like, of meditation or something at night that where you're just being present to some kind of track or sound or prayer. I think the benefits are tremendous. And like you said, it carries over to the general tone of your nervous system the next day. Are you going to have a more relaxed, balanced, parasympathetic tone? And if so, you live a longer life. You know, it's like a candle that burns very fast, you know, with very stressed out versus this long, slow burning, steady one. You want a nervous system that can fire up when needed, but kind of as a slow, steady burn. And ultimately, that's as much of your thinking as it is like just these light inputs and circadian rhythm bang things, as you mentioned. So very valuable stuff. I will say that, and, and this is something I know from personal experience, is if you have and deeply struggle with quieting the mind, this is a very clear indication that your nervous system is highly dysregulated. So there are some things that for my more advanced clients struggling um, for the... Because a lot of us, you know, you you mentioned something like this, and, and especially coming from a female perspective, is and being a mom, right? We're so busy outward solving everybody else's problems. Everybody needs something from us, especially if you have little littles. And to be able to drop down into the body and really just be okay settling down is a very good indication that your nervous system is healthy. And so I think I would just start there and go, am I really even able to drop into my own space and like be aware and be present? And if you're not, then one thing I would actually do is kind of reverse engineer and start in the morning by grounding and and meditating outside and light. And so the you don't feel the pressure like I have to do this so I have to fall asleep because right. then it elicits this like panic in us and it undoes everything that we're trying to do. And so that's something that I've learned from just personal experiences. Uh, we have, we've got to get grounded and our nervous system has to feel safe enough to be able to do that. And another thing that females really need to do and this is not a heavy meal because it can backfire if digestion's too way down at night. But I will say, if you are in a state of fight or flight, like wired but tired, that's how I explain it. You're so tired all day, but you're wired at night. Integrating a bedtime snack is going to be like your superhero. So I like to do a good moderate fat, protein, glucose, uh, kind of snack before bed. So that could be a banana with some almond butter or, um, your beam dream with some like raw cream and sea salt and really just giving the nervous system some nutrients. So the blood sugar is not dropping down in the middle of the night and waking you up, but this can also elicit kind of a sense of being on edge at night. Yeah. Comfort and fullness. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I like that a lot. That's really interesting. And so again, just to kind of recap my understanding, if you are feeling wired and tired, sometimes a little bit of easy to digest, but still nutrient providing foods late at night. It's not messing up your digestion. It's not like a steak or chicken that's hard to digest. This is something light that still gives you proteins, healthy carbs, healthy fats, and can kind of ease you through for sure. That's great advice. Yeah. It's nourishing the liver ultimately, right? Because you're not having this major dip in insulin and your cortisol is waking you up in the middle of the night. Remember cortisol suppresses melatonin. And so liver is also an organ of emotion. And so kind of alluding back to the mindset piece and being able to get still, a lot of females that I work with feel very emotional come bedtime. And this is, you know, lack of nutrients, the nervous 
nervous system is dysregulated and they really need to be nurtured in a different way. And so really nurturing the liver from a nutritional standpoint and a comfort standpoint tend to really be an interesting tactic. Yeah. Okay. This has been a wonderful conversation. And I, I want to go for a few more minutes because I want to take this sure. thing in the left field. I want to take this thing in the left field right now, but it's not really left field because I know you speak about this on some of your things. I want to talk about what you believe the influence of some of these electromagnetic pollutions we have in our homes and how that affects circadian rhythm. So what I'm blatantly saying is like, I, I'm a firm believer from my own research and personal experience that too much exposure to EMFs in our homes is disruptive for sleep and disruptive for mitochondria and a lot of other things. But it's a, just a fact that we live in a world where technology and telecommunications is progressing. We're getting more of this stuff. And I don't think enough people know about this. So please speak to what you've discovered in your coaching and your research and your personal experience on EMFs, cell phones, Wi-Fi routers, and how that affects the game of sleep? Well, I will say if you are not a believer in that, get an EMF reader there or get someone to come over maybe who has an electromagnetic field reader and put it next to your microwave and put it next to your Wi-Fi router. They're called acoustometers. I have one. There are a couple hundred good ones, a couple hundred bucks, but like you can get cheaper ones too. It's interesting. I think when, if you are interested in exploring this, get a reader because then you can go around, turn on your microwave. You see how much that thing shoots off, go near your Wi-Fi router, play with a cell phone, and you'll get to see a lot, both in terms of like how much average radiation is put out as well as peak spokes, peak, uh, peak spike in in these things. So keep on going. Yes. But yes, I agree on the reader. So before I was really into more natural modalities, I always thought of the saying that we're energetic beings. Was this like woo-woo, like, okay, give me a freaking break. Like, I do not believe in any of that because I think it was just the language that was used and the person that was probably saying it. But the fact of the matter is we are all energetic beings. Our cells all vibrate at different levels. And if you don't understand, like when someone is sick, their vibration is much lower because their energetic potential is lower in the body. That is why disease states manifest. And so EMFs go in and interrupt these natural cellular potential in the body. And so absolutely it affects sleep because we live in an already stressed, over-toxic, burdened world with all these people running around with chronic underlying infections, especially from their mouth, right? Dental work is a big one for that. And when you, it's all in the layering of things. So if you have been on this journey for a while and you've cleared out toxins out of your home and you're drinking really good water and you're eating really good food, your nervous system is going to be able to handle more. However, if you're someone who's eating processed food, you're fasting and really you're not fasting, you're just waiting too long to eat and your blood sugar is a wreck, you don't know how to handle your stress, your relationships may not be good, you're not getting natural exposure to sun, that is when these EMF fields really, I think start to exacerbate health issues, but they affect every single one of us. So a big thing is I have a phone curfew. I do not sleep with my phone in my room. I turn my Wi-Fi router off at night. If I could, we live in Texas, so it gets very hot at night. But if we live somewhere, my husband grew up in Colorado, they can open the windows at night. I would turn off every single electric panel in my home because you have electrical currents running through your walls with the wires. And so because we can't do that, um, a big, I'm a big proponent of the somavetic. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, um, we actually have one. Yeah, so it structures water. Depending on the the model that you get, it structures water, but it also helps to kind of even out those EMF fields. And really, it's all goes back to the nervous system and the vagal nervous system. And the, these EMFs really interrupt our ability to be grounded to how we handle stress and then also our ability to sleep. And so I ask every single one of my clients, basically, what is your toxic burden in your home? And a lot of this really goes down to how much EMF exposure do you have on the daily in your house? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a real topic that I, I wanted to bring up with you because I know you have some great experience with it and not enough people are talking about it. And if you think this stuff is just woo-woo, it's easy to like think that 
Yeah, I'll get, recommend two books that actually have some research. One would be, I think it's called Earthing by Clint Ober, or it might be called Grounding. But yes. he's one of the people that really did a lot of the science on earthing mats and how when we're connected to our feet on the ground, the natural electrical conductivity of the earth kind of has an antioxidant property in our bodies and helps keep our blood nice and fluid and, and all these good things. The other book that was recently published, I believe in the, within a year from this recording is called The Invisible Rainbow by a guy named Arthur Fristenberg. And he goes into all of the... Basic basically the science behind how EMF fields disrupt our mitochondria's ability to produce ATP by how electrons are passed through these things called porphyrins. So this is actual science of now we understand why these fields are there. And we have radio fields, right, from military uh, broadcasting and, and just general city broadcasting. We have now satellites that are putting internet down from, you know, from the sky. And of course, we have our out-home routers and then the 5G, which is going to be higher frequency, shorter distance kind of stuff. This is important for skating balance. I know it is the case. And I, I think an interesting thing you mentioned that is a practical tip that people can do is maybe get a timer that turns off your Wi-Fi at night. And maybe you can just get a little less sleep with a little less exposure. And if you're in your house and you're living there for many years and you can cut out a third of your exposure by just like eight hours of not having it, man, that's huge in my opinion. Big gains on that. Yes. And I know that they make now like EMF blocking sheets for guys. They make EMF blocking boxers. I mean, there's a lot of things that are coming out. And the reality is, um, this is a little controversial, but 5G is not about more speed to your cell phone. It's all about trackability and facial recognition. However, it is the most interference that our nervous system has at this point in history. Now we're going to add on satellites and things like that, but 100%, that is why you will never be able to artificially what the rhythms of creation can do for your body on your own. Meaning like how you mentioned being able to go out and ground, all these things are still available to us. So the reality is we do live in a toxic world. And I don't just mean the toxic, the toxins that we're drinking and eating, but like you're mentioning, this is another one that I do think the potential of everything adds up into the body and on the organ systems and in the nervous system. And so to kind of counteract that, I would get an EMF blocker at your home, on your laptop, on your, you know, on your phone, and then be very intentional about going barefoot when you can walk around because there is so much data that will tell you what this does to the body. And, and it's, it's very good what it does to your body. So just going out and walking barefoot and, and grounding in the morning and the evening too. For sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I will I will also say, like, I do these things every single day. I'm barefoot right now. I take a barefoot mm -hmm. walk in the morning. We have grass outside that we get our family on because I believe in this stuff. I've seen some of the studies. And, and it also comes back to just this idea of this is God's creation. We are a part of this yeah. natural law and process. It seems very apparent that our bodies were in contact with the earth and with the light cycles. We should probably stick to that in the face of all these advancing pressures of technology. And, and what's amazing too is without understanding exactly what the cascade of all these benefits happen, we know they exist. And you just go ahead and feed this body these inputs at a high level and a lot of things start to take care of themselves. And I guess part of the problem that you've kind of mentioned throughout this is we have a very reductionistic looking at the very end thing, which is like the farm pharmaceutical pill versus like these upstream kind of philosophies. And we need to use both specific things in broad strokes as well. And I think we covered some good stuff in today's podcast. So I'd love to turn it over to you one more time, sure. of course, to tell people where they can learn more about like you and everything you're into, but also maybe if you have any other tips that you'd like to share that you feel like were unsaid regarding sleep optimization and everything we chatted about today. Well, I will add in a couple of tips for you guys is um, castor oil at night over the liver can be very, very helpful. I, When I approach my plate, my sole mission anytime I eat a meal is to balance my blood sugar. And the reason being is insulin affects so many of us. Look at the amount of type 2 diabetes in our culture. So a big saying that I have is I do not eat naked carbs. I'm always eating carbs with a, with a protein or fat just to stabilize blood sugar. Uh, the, the blue blockers at night is huge. Just regulating the nervous system is so incredibly important. And then to your point about rhythms of nature and creation, we live in a world where technology has now created what was never possible before. And this is not always good because we ignore our, our biology and we push the body to extremes that I don't think are beneficial. And so 
there are seasons and there's change in the seasons for reason. And we need to respond accordingly. And we ignore the rhythms of nature and we pay the consequences. And so I think if we can really get back to drinking good water, getting unfiltered sun, balancing our blood sugar and respecting our biology in a simpler way, we will see results that we have never seen before. We try to make it so complicated now and people get so confused, rightfully so, that they just throw their hands up in the air and they go, well, I'll take blood pressure medicine or I'll take the anti-anxiety pill or whatever. And it's because it's just too much and people don't understand the way that their body responds um, to creation and the, the rhythms of nature. So we're approaching fall and we need to shift our nutrition towards that too, like warmer foods, uh, less fruit, those sorts of things. And so I would just encourage your listeners really to kind of take a step back and just analyze like, where am I at right now, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? What are some simple things that I can do every single day? What do I not need to do anymore? And what are some simple things that are not going to overwhelm me that I can integrate that I really feel is lacking in my day-to-day life? And if I had to pick two for you, it would be sun exposure and walking every single day. And you'll just be amazed at what those things do for you. Yeah. And then as far as where to find me, you can find me on Instagram at holy.well. My website is holywell.health. And then I just launched the Holywell Academy where my, my 90 day signature program lives and my reclaimed sleep course. So my sleep course is a labor of love. It's from six years of true experience of struggling with severe postpartum anxiety and insomnia and what I wish I would have had back then. So it's everything I wish I would have known wrapped up in a plan for you and how to reclaim your sleep. It's really that simple. And then I do have the Holy Well podcast. So if you if you want to come hang out and just learn, I try to bring on excellent guests like Dr. Balduzzi. And really, I try to keep holistic health simple and approachable because the reality is all of our lives are stressful in some capacity. And we need hope and encouragement in, in our day-to-day life and health. And so that's really my mission behind Holy Well is... I don't want to make it seem like your body is against you or you're never going to succeed because that's such a defeating place to live in. And so it's really been my mission to flip that script and offer hope and healing to everyone. Nice. It's no doubt that you're flipping it. And it's been a pleasure to have you on to get to learn from you. There's going to be links to all this stuff if you're listening on the Fit Mother Project blog or maybe on the YouTube channel. There's going to be links in the description to your podcast. They definitely should check that out. Your sleep course, obviously, and your social media handles and stuff like that, as well as some of the books and other resources that we mentioned here. Just a great convo. Thank you so much for going deep with us today. Appreciate you so much, Kelsey. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. All right. Thanks for everyone tuning in and I'll see you on a future episode. Hey there, my friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Fit Mother Project podcast. If you love what you heard, I have a favor to ask you. Please consider taking 60 seconds right now to leave us a rating and review on our podcast. Leaving us a review is super quick. It only takes a minute and it's so, so helpful to us as it really boosts this podcast to reach more people who need this information and this message. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, you can leave us a star rating and review. If you're watching on YouTube, you can hit the like button and leave us a comment. Overall, I truly appreciate you being with us here on the podcast. On behalf of me and my entire Fit Mother Project team, we truly feel honored and grateful to support you and your family on your journey to fantastic health. I thank you for your support of this podcast and of this mission. Also, if you're interested in joining our complete Fit Mother program and becoming an official member of our community, you can visit our website, fitmotherproject.com. And on the Fit Mother site, you'll be able to see our complete Fit Mother program along with our online store with the best supplements designed for busy moms. And you'll also find a ton of free resources like recipes, workouts, meal plans, and more. God bless you and your family. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi signing off. I'll catch you on the next episodes of the Fit Mother Project podcast.